Welcome to part two of my podcast on the world's oldest Bible, Science and the Discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Let's talk about science, geohistory, and belief. Science refers to knowledge which influences our beliefs about God. Geohistory refers to the where and the when of our lives, the economic, political, and religious circumstances of our birth. My framework for investigating truth claims is geohistorical. Geohistory identifies the thing's existence and its past. For every event that ever took place, for every religion, for every one of us, and for every belief we hold about God, there was a time when it was not. We all have geohistories. For example, I was born in Kuala Lumpur at 12.30 a.m. on the 1st of April, 1960. Nowhere else and not at any other time. Now, what does it mean? It means that before that moment, I wasn't yet me, independent of my mother. Before, say, nine months before my birth, I wasn't even in existence in the womb of my mother. Science and geohistory help us to understand where and when the beliefs we inherited or adopted came to be. Science is also at the forefront of the recovery and the analysis of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Biblical scholars, theologians, and historians work alongside scientists to identify, date, and edit archaeological findings related to Christianity. The Bible's geohistory from the beginning of God's creation is such that we know now the universe is almost 14 billion years old and continues to expand at the speed of light, getting bigger and bigger by the second. Five billion years ago, our sun was born and then the earth and life itself. About a million years ago, our ancestors learned to control fire and to speak. They created art closely linked to religion. The oldest known temple ever found dates to 12,000 years ago in Turkey, and I was privileged to visit it in 2014. Mathematics and writing began in Babylon around 5,000 years ago, meaning anything that's older than 5,000 years or so there was no writing anywhere on the planet. That's quite amazing to think how recent this was. King David founded Jerusalem 3,000 years ago. The oldest part of the Bible was written down as recently as 2,500 years ago in Persia or modern Iran. And the New Testament books were affirmed as part of the Christian Bible some 1,600 years ago in Egypt. Thus, there was a place and time when even the Bible did not exist. In fact, after God created the universe, it took another 13,799,999,500 years before the Bible began to be written down. That's a lot of time. Now, in terms of what I mentioned in the previous podcast, that science is God's revelation. Without science, we would not have a Bible. The sciences of writing by impressions or ink on clay tablets, papyrus and paper, book binding, printing, and digital computing all transform how God's revelation was understood, recorded, and transmitted. In the 5th century BC, the writing of the Bible as scrolls marked the transition from oral teachings to the documented form. In the 4th century AD, some 900 years later, book binding created Bibles with fixed chronological books starting with Genesis and ending with Revelation. Now, before the book was invented, scrolls were all separate books. You could put you could put them on a shelf, you could mix them up, you could read them separately. There was no concept of reading the Bible end to end, simply because there was no end in the Bible. 
In the 15th century AD, the European printing press was invented. Now, um, for those who are aware of printing presses, you will know that the Chinese printing press was um, invented much earlier, as early as the 9th century uh, AD. But the European printing press of the Bible into uniform text made the Bible affordable, but it also ensured a uniformity of errors and titles. And that's because in almost every book of antiquity, uh, copied and copied, there are always typos and errors. In the 20th century AD, the digital e-Bible is, number one, portable, Number two, transferable by cut and paste technology. Number three, searchable so that we can find and count specific words among the 800,000 or so words in a typical Bible. And number four, editable. So that strangely, today's e-Bibles, along with internet sources like Wikipedia and Bible softwares, bring us closer to what it was like to read the Bible in the time of Jesus. There was a lot of flexibility there in terms of specific words used. Now, if none of these scientific technologies were developed, Christians would not have any Bible. But like many religions in the pre-scientific age, they would have to rely on storytellers to pass on information, however inaccurately. Next, science extends the human senses. So in my book, I talk about how science and technology extend the human senses to reveal God's creation, changing our assumptions about God and enriching our marvel at God's majesty. In my book, I also show that archaeology increases our understanding of Christian history. Geohistory invites us to rethink the origins of our inherited beliefs. And technology gives us the power to detect God's creation never before possible. Now, here are five examples how, of how technology changes theology. Number one, the CRISPR-Cas9 um, technology is a gene editing tool capable of curing diseases even before they take the toll on our bodies. But they also allow us to change what it means to be human permanently. Number two, high-speed photography. This slows down our perception of time to see fast-moving objects that our eyes cannot normally detect. So what was once invisible are no longer so. Microscopes extend our vision to discover the very small parasite that can influence our brain chemistry, changing our very behavior. In the book, I give an example of this. Now think about two and three. Think about high-speed photography and microscopes. We can now see things that were too fast for us to normally see and too small for us to see. If you add on the telescope, you can also talk about things too far away for us to see. All these three refer to um, the invisibles. So when you read in the New Testament that Paul talks about the invisible and what is visible, this is very interesting. It tells us today with technology, what used to be invisible for people before a certain age is now visible. We take for granted. Number four, high energy physics allow us to show that all matter of God's creation are made from the same building blocks of subatomic particles. We humans, animals, plants and minerals are made of the same stuff. This is quite amazing. Now, this means that all these human conflicts we have killing each other, the violence, are based on a false delusion of superiority. Number five, space exploration that offers the exciting prospect of discovering other worlds and life forms that God made. Who knows that perhaps we are not the only people, um, human beings or life forms can think that God has created. We have no idea, but these are all future prospects. Thus, the history of scientific discoveries, of technological innovations and medical advances actually revise our beliefs about God and God's creation. And that's okay. Revising our ideas does not in any way diminish God or our belief in God. Today, 
Christians no longer believe in slavery or racism, or that suicide condemns one to hell, or that mental illness and natural disasters like earthquakes are God's punishment upon the wicked. We know that's no longer true, and we have revised our ideas about this as a church. Now, as a reminder, here are the three takeaways from the past two podcasts, um, the last one and this one. What are the Dead Sea Scrolls? They are a collection of ancient writings that include the world's oldest Bible. What did it tell us about our Bible today? The Bible writers were people of their times and places, responding to issues of their own geohistory, using vocabularies of their own civilizations. And what has science to do with the Christian belief? In the 17th century, the rise of modern science increased our knowledge about God's creation and revised our beliefs about God. By the 18th century, the study of the scriptures took on an increasingly scientific method. The 19th century emergence of archaeology was crucial to our understanding of the 20th century discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls, the world's oldest Bible. Today, in the 21st century, we can see that God's revelation is always retold, reinterpreted, and rewritten. Thus, as our interpretations of God's revelation improves, we learn to revise our inherited, adopted, and adapted beliefs. Finally, this book also considers questions which every Christian may have always wanted to ask. Apart from who actually wrote the Bible, I mean, apart from the answer that God wrote the Bible, we also ask questions like, is there an original Bible and where is it? And number three, why are there multiple versions such as the RSV, KJV, NIV, ESV, uh, or multiple translations such as the GNB, the message, the New Living Translation, and even uh, multiple compositions, the Protestant Bible, the Catholic Bible, the Ethiopic Bible, the Georgian Bible, all having different numbers of books from 66 to 85. That's quite amazing. And number four, which three non-Jewish kings of Persia, Egypt, and Rome initiated the writing of the Bible? An interesting thought, if not for these non-Jewish kings, there was no incentive to actually write what we call the written Bible. And finally, for example, what advances in science, technology, and medicine are pertinent to the Bible? My thanks to you if you bought a copy already, uh, but you have not yet purchased one. Let me tell you, it's a large format, um, hardcover coffee table book featuring original infographics, maps, charts, and my personal photographs, all in full color for my travels. Stay tuned for the next podcast and subscribe to Thinking Things Through with Ron Chung, wherever you listen to podcasts and share this with your friends.